I want to give you some specifics regarding the the end of the developer-Elliot relationship with me. Uh, I had asked my brother-in-law, Anthony, to move down to the resort maybe a year in. I wanted eyes and ears on the ground. And so he was working within Tim's sales team that greeted clients when they came to the resort and, and would host them like a concierge. And he was living there with his wife at the time and really uh, reporting everything was was great. Um, we hired a young lady to kind of run the sales office for our company, Impact, and we had office presence, office signage at the property. And one of the things that that really freaked me out is when I started counseling with my lawyer about what to do. Uh, his suggestion was stop selling. And of course, we did that. We didn't make a grand announcement to them, but we made a, an announcement internally, no more selling. We're putting a hold on the product for now until the Elliots report to us that they're back on pace with construction deadlines at Wondolio, et cetera. So not a big, scary announcement, but we just put things on hold. Well, my office in the DR, the impact office, which was right off the lobby with signage on the wall, the young lady that worked in there and reported to me directly, her name is Jessica, Jessica, but in Spanish. So Jessica had called me and said, hey, I got to work today and the lock on the door was broken and the lock box where I keep client checks, we had a couple of clients come down and write checks to buy condos, the checks are missing. And I thought, oh, my gosh, somebody's broken in. Well, she, I asked her to go up and check with Greg in the accounting at the Elliott office and see if he knows what's going on. And Greg reported that he was instructed by Derek directly to go get those checks. So obviously, this is not just a breach of trust. It's totally a breach of protocol. Very scary. So Jessica knew we had a problem. I let Anthony know at that time that it was probably important that he fly home, which would be a loss of his job, that he come back, that I no longer trusted the Elliots, and that I would be making some moves legally that could affect him negatively if he was still there. I wanted him to come home. I, I didn't want him caught up in what was about to happen. So those are some details that I, I thought I should insert here. Another thing that happened when I pulled out is the Maxim team in New York, Southern District of New York, filed a lawsuit against the Elliots, not against me, not against my company, but against the Elliots for trademark infringement and improper use of their licensing marks. I think that was the nature of the lawsuit. You can look that one up. But the bottom line is Maxim knew that the, the source of capital was not the problem, but the Elliots had begun to not only mismanage capital, but mismanage the trust that Maxim had placed in them. So now we got a problem. Wondolio is no longer going to be a Maxim because Maxim's lost confidence in the Elliots. That means the chef is gone too. That means the A-listers are likely gone. That, that, that means that the construction deadlines that have been breached are likely to, to be extended further as the Elliots gather themselves and figure out a new game plan. And meanwhile, Derek's busy spending money on inappropriate things, the land banking, the yacht, and we find out later, uh, we'll, we'll get to that, but we find out later from Greg that Greg's been wiring money to Vegas to pay off markers, which is borrowing money from a casino, uh, specifically the Rio properties where Derek had a casino host named Jesse. And so Jesse had been advancing money to Derek whenever he was in town because Derek 
was a gambler. I knew that, but I figured he's using his own money. But Greg reported to me directly that Derek had been wiring money from the operations account at Sun Village. And of course, our money ends up in operations so they can use it to build the resort. And that uh, they had wired, and, and Greg went as far as to show me those wires because we needed them for litigation, over a million dollars uh, of client proceeds were sent to the Rio Suites in Las Vegas to pay down Derek's markers. So this is crazy. It's obviously a breach of trust, complete callous disregard for the client. And so all of this is going on. Anthony flies home. Jessica loses her job because she reported to me that they had broken into the office. So things are starting to come apart at a pretty rapid rate here. So things are getting heavy now. I now know I'm in business with people with poor intentions, people that don't just have, don't have my best interest in heart, don't have my company's best interest at heart, but all these clients who we've worked so hard over all these years to develop a reputation with, develop rapport with, help them on their incremental transactions to help them build their net worth. We are deeply involved and invested in their lives. And we have taken them innocently to the Dominican Republic to be a part of this project we had such faith in. Now I know all of that is a fallacy. And I've got to look myself in the mirror on that. I've got to take full responsibility for that. I've got to evaluate my involvement, my role. What, 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 do, do, what can I learn from this? What did I do wrong here? All of those are real questions that I've got to answer. So I go back to my attorney, Pete, and I said, Pete, it's now obvious to me that the federal government, with your FBI agents and the U.S. Attorney's Office, is not going to do anything. So I believe it is incumbent upon us to launch a lawsuit where we can represent all of our clients and many of our associates, our agents, our advisors, also are clients of this project. They actually own condominiums like Tiffany and I do. We had purchased well over a million dollars worth of these condos because we love the idea. The product made sense. It made sense to me. It made sense to my agents. It certainly made sense to the clients. And so there's a lot of people looking for some guidance and direction. And this CEO has got to make hard decisions. And in meeting with my lawyer, I learned that there's this book. I want to say it's Lexis Nexus. I want to say that's the name of the book. But anyway, it's a book of lawyers across America that have specialties and certain rankings. It's a book that lawyers look at to tell them if they're going to rep represent a client that's in another state, uh, who would be the lawyer that would be best serve, to serve this client. And so we find a law firm in Miami. Uh, and, and I'm not going to use the name of this firm. I, I'm still quite friendly with the, the managing partner of the firm and all his, his uh, top lawyers because they became very, very instrumental in the, in the road ahead. But we made the decision that we were going to have a conference call with all of our clients who we could get on a phone. And we, this is back when you use conference lines. There's no Zoom technology yet. That would have been wonderful. But we get them all on a conference call. And uh, we let them know that, that many of our agents own these products, 
of course, they own these products. And of course, they're looking for their quarterly payment and uh, the delays at Wondolio. They want to understand these delays. So we're trying to tell them what we know, but we've been kind of boxed out of communication because of our, uh, you know, the posture we've taken with the developer. So the, the law firm wisely says, hey, listen, there's two classes of people here. There's agents who sold the product, who also own the product. And then there's clients who are not agents who just own the product. He says, uh, we can represent one class, but we're going to have to find another law firm to represent the second class. And so we're down in Miami dealing with two law firms, one representing just straight clients and one representing agents who are clients because both groups are victims, but they do have different interests being represented because the agents kind of knew more because they're involved at the salesmanship level, just a deeper understanding about what's going on. And so the law firm uh, that, that represented me and all of the agents is the one I got to deal with on a daily basis. So we flew down there uh, and we still have a company plane. So we've, we've got the company plane down there, the pilots are down there. And I think we're down there probably 10 days and we're dealing literally in the top floor of this, this legal uh, office building in downtown Miami. And the reason we're in Miami, by the way, is we had to have a law firm that could sue in the Dominican Republic, in the Turks and Caicos, which is a country into itself, where the, the developer had their corporations domiciled, which is a little odd, but we find that out through some investigation. And then, of course, Canada. So we've got to sue in Canada. The United States, the Turks and Caicos, and the Dominican Republic, you've got to prepare all these lawsuits. And then there's something called a verified lawsuit, where when the attorney files it, he's verifying the facts contained within it. So if you're going to file and, and you've got 70 claims, all 70 have to be verified by the lawyer. And the way you verify them is through investigation. So private investigators were hired. Now, I think I personally spent a million, million three with this, just this one law firm to try to tee it up. Now, all the clients had to have a financial interest in the lawsuit too. That's the way the law works. You can't just pay for everybody's bill. But I had a million three into it because all the preamble, all the pre-work, all the, the representation that had to occur to verify the complaint, uh, I fronted all that. And then each client chipped in a pro rata share based on how much they had invested in the project. So we're all aligned, basically. Our interests are aligned, and I think there's over 650, and we're all aligned together. So we file, we serve those lawsuits on the Elliots. Uh, down in the Dominican, I think, is where they were served. One may have been served in Canada, the other served in the Dominican Republic. But either way, they got noticed, and they appear in court, in federal court in Miami. And the judge, I won't use his name, but the judge uh, seemed to be very wise, a senior judge, federal judge, and he was very interested in the case. And, and, and we go through what they call motion practice, where you go back and forth where they're defending themselves and, and we've got witnesses, and we're not in trial yet. It's all pre-trial motion practice. Uh, and so I'm attending all of this stuff because we've all got a lot at stake here. I've got to make sure that the, the law firm knows all the details and all the paperwork, and they've got full access to our server, and we, we gave them access to everything they needed, our bank records, everything. And I think we're nine months into this, and the judge dismisses the case and suggests the following. And by the way, this is one of the more dreadful days of my life. The judge says, 
I'm dismissing the case. I'm recommending that all 600 and something investors file their own separate lawsuits. The class is not a class because you all bought different products over different periods of time and from different agents with different circumstances. And so he was uncomfortable kind of uh, grouping us together as a class. He, he releases the whole lawsuit and suggests that everybody get their own lawyer and file their own lawsuit. And then he says this, and make sure you name your salesman as one of the defendants. You can name the developer, but you've got to also name your salesman. So now you can imagine, I've got thousands of agents. I've got hundreds of clients who are in this project. And now all of them have been told by a federal judge that they should seek their own counsel. And you know, if you seek your own counsel, they recommend you sue. And if you, if, if you seek your own counsel, they recommend you sue somebody with money. And they recommend you sue somebody maybe with an airplane. And maybe you should sue somebody with, with a lot of houses. And maybe you should sue, sue somebody who seems to be successful. <laughs> and maybe if you sue somebody who's out of the country, it may not work. And so all of a sudden, in one foul move in the spring of 2009, I am now at the center of a civil lawsuit nightmare. All of these folks that we worked so hard to protect, that we worked so hard to align and make sure that our collective interests are represented had now been fractured into the wind and everybody's seeking their own personal best interest, which I don't blame them. I get it. I totally get it. Looking back, uh, I don't like the decision, but I kind of understand the motive, right? It's just get my money back, right? Just get my money back. Even if, even if we didn't have your money, if we only earned a sales commission to actually represent the product, we never had all your money. Uh, we're still, you know, obviously the target of the investigation uh, for, for all this civil action. And so it's obviously a nightmare that changes the nature of what I now need to do. And so as we proceed down the road, I'm going to take you into the detailed, incremental, granular steps that this new nightmare caused me to have to do. This is Inside Out with James Catlish. Welcome back. These are short episodes intended to help you think differently about your potential. So now that the developer has successfully evaded the multi-jurisdictional lawsuits and every client will now have to sue independently, filing new lawsuits in new jurisdictions. And of course, I'm going to be the easy target because I live in the United States and I'm the CEO of the company that led them to the Dominican Republic. So I know what's coming my way, but the Elliot's wisely like a snake, like a snake in the grass. But I guess if, if you're a snake, this is the way snakes think. They sent a letter since they have access to all the clients and did all the mailings and are used to mailing them all checks. They sent a letter to the clients apologizing for all the confusion and letting all the clients know that it was me, specifically James Catledge, who had caused all this mess. And that my litigation and my litigious nature had created this nightmare for them. 
And if they would work patiently as a client with the Elliots directly and no longer go through the Catledge organization for communication or any information whatsoever related to the project, then they could ensure the client that they would have everything that they were promised. And they wanted also the client to know in this letter, this very well-written letter, that it was because of the commissions paid to Catledge and his organization that this nightmare transpired to begin with. And it was, it was the personal enrichment of James Catledge and his salesmen that caused this nightmare and that they would be working very, very hard to right the wrongs and, and, and correct uh, any, any misgivings that the client may have felt. And so naturally, this letter felt like a beautiful first aid ointment for every client. And of course, they quit taking phone calls from my financial advisors, and they quit taking the conference calls from me and the legal team. And now they were on their own with the wolves. And boy, was that scary. And I, of course, had many clients who knew me, didn't feel that way. But this was the nature of the direction they were headed. I even think they, they filed temporarily. Of course, it got dropped or thrown out. But I think they even filed a $45 million lawsuit against me directly uh, for, for, for misrepresenting their product or something crazy like that. Just as some cover for them as they started to work directly with the client and not go through my organization for any communication. So you can imagine where this is getting. It's getting nasty. It's getting heavy. And we're talking about hundreds of people. And, and now they're classified as victims in the law. They, they have lost, uh, not completely, but they've certainly lost access to their property. They've lost access to their condos. They've certainly lost that income stream that was coming in. And really, their own interest in the properties now up in the air. And that's my fear is will, will the developer resell these units to a new unsuspecting buyer and all of a sudden my guys get completely washed out. That's my fear. That's what I think is likely to happen based on the way this is, this is going. And so sure enough, one after another, I start getting served separate lawsuits. I think... By late 09, I have been served with 11, it's 11 different states, maybe 15 different lawsuits, probably representing at least a couple of hundred clients. And, and, and I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, if you've not been in a lawsuit before, you can't imagine 11 states, 15 suits, several hundred people all these attorneys with different motives, with different aspirations, different ideas. And of course, if one attorney catches on, they start holding conference calls with other clients, other, and the clients start referring their friends. And, and pretty soon, you, you've got a really large pocket of venom that's, uh, you know, that's looking to cause harm. And so Tif Tiffany is, you know, you can imagine your wife who you've protected, your children who you've protected, You've, uh, you've, you've worked hard, you've sacrificed much, you've, you've built a team, you've built a company, you've paid the price of success. Here you sit with all of this now in, in, in kind of a ball of tears. Uh, and, and my wife, my poor wife is just not even consolable. It's almost like, 
you know, trying her best to support me because she knows what's going on. She understands what's happening. And she's met these people. She knows the developer, the father, son. We've been to their home in Canada. She knows them. And so she, and she's been to the resort at least a dozen times. Uh, we've had her family there. My family's been there. All of the kids. I mean, this, this was such a central part of what, what we were doing. And it's all coming apart. And so I, uh, I realized that when the judge dismissed that case and recommended to all the clients that they seek their own counsel, I knew this would be a civil nightmare. But one other thing he did in his order is he recommended an investigation. He recommended the Department of Justice, the FBI, the SEC, which regulates the financial planning industry, and the IRS investigate all parties involved. And so that means that I call them the windbreaker team, the, the guys that were the windbreakers with the three initials on it. It meant the windbreaker team was headed my way. And so I now am busy trying to figure out how to deal with this. What do I do? How do I protect my family? How do I protect my company? How do I protect the clients? There's so many people to protect. And, and I'm not sure I'm equipped with the tools necessary to provide all this protection. I, I certainly am not. Um, the resources are only so limited. You, you, you can burn through resources no matter what our net worth was. Our resources are going to be depleted pretty quickly just in legal expenses. And so this is when I find myself starting to seek counsel from wise men in my community and asking them, what should be done here? What is the right path? And I'll tell you that one meeting that a friend of mine suggested we have began to change the nature of how I began to deal with this battle because it was a battle and I was on the defense and I needed to flip over to offense, but did not know how, did not possess the faculties necessary to know strategically what to do next. Even my own civil counsel, Pete, was so, so capable. He now knew this was getting heavy and, and getting out of hand, and I was going to need backup counsel. So with all that said, I, I find myself in my garage late that night dealing with the demons of what it's going to be like when this is all over with. You, you know, sometimes when you talk about lawsuits, uh, things get a little foggy, especially if you've not been in one. I want to remind you that this multi-jurisdictional lawsuit that we filed, that I initiated on behalf of all of my clients and all of our associates, where we were all aligned with the same objective, which was to hold the Elliots accountable. We spent a lot of money. Uh, Tiffany and I personally spent $1.3 million on this lawsuit alone. And the objective was simple, not to recover money, but to secure the resorts that the Elliots managed that had been, frankly, desecrated by the Elliots. And we were concerned that they would sell the condo units in the investment positions that my clients had purchased we were worried they were willing to sell them to new buyers. In other words, save their own financial issues by selling our units 
that had already been sold to our clients. That was the big concern. And so this lawsuit in Miami, the Turks in Caicos, the Dominican Republic in Canada, was not just an assertive position. It was essential. I saw no other path forward. Uh, and in, in retrospect, had it to do it all over again, I would have filed the same lawsuit with the same legal team, with the same strategy. What, what the judge did, in essence, when he recommended that the clients dismiss, the, he dismissed the lawsuit and recommended that each of the clients sue individually, he also did something very damaging. And this damaged the clients, sadly. Uh, and it, it, it created what was a temporary inconvenience. He created a permanent loss. And here, here's what he did. He not only recommended that the Department of Justice, the SEC, and the IRS all come looking into this. And, of course, they do come. And you're going to hear all the details about their looking into this. But what he also did early on is he, he put a, I don't want to say a friend of his, that would be improper. But he did put someone he knew in as what they call a special master. Special masters are, are supposed to be independent. They're supposed to get to the bottom of things that seem murky or unclear. Well, the special master went to the resorts, both Wandolio and Sun Village, to evaluate, number one, the legitimacy of the resorts, to interview employees, to, to see if there were hotel guests staying there, and really to discover for the court what should be done. And special master, I won't use his name, but special master came back with the recommendation of the court, along with a $300,000 bill, which needs to be paid. Uh, the special master, of course, all his services are being billed. And so the court orders those paid by both my team and the Elliots, if they can, if they can get them to pay anything. Well, uh, the special master came back and said, we have a two-tiered criminal enterprise here. And the debts are so large on the property at Sun Village that I recommend you close the hotel, uh, throw the guests out of the property, and allow the banks to repossess the property to recoup their debt. Now, special master, I keep wanting to slip up and use his name, but that would be inappropriate. Special master saw debt on the books as the construction loans that would be paid off to my clients the moment the five years were up. They either get the, they get to convert their interest to a condo or the condo gets sold and the client gets their, their construction loan money back. So he was, he was confused, actually, in using the debt at Sun Village as debt the company owed when, in fact, the property itself would retire that debt by the selling of the condo. So he misunderstood the accounting, and I don't know why the Elliots couldn't explain it, but because of his recommendation to the court, he closed the property. He went to Wandolio and saw that many of the rooms had been gutted. New elevator shafts had been uh, piped in new elevators, new kitchens, new stoves, all sorts of new equipment had been done, just as promised by Jay and his team. Lots of work was going on to renovate the Sheraton and convert it to the five-star. But he saw it in a state of demolition. And if you've ever been on a, a construction site, uh, where, where demolitions occurring in order to rehab a property or to rebuild a property, 
it looks terrible. And so photographs were taken. It, it looked like a demolition site without the vision of where it was headed. And so the court, under the order of a federal judge, closed both properties. Both properties went up for auction, were sold to new hotel owners. And so all of my clients' interests were now lost. My wife and my interest, I think it was $1.3 million we had in the property uh, at Wandolio. We bought over there. We, we bought whole condos over there because we loved the, the location and the idea. And remember, if you own a hotel condo and, and you put it back in the reservation deck so the, the Elliots can rent the room out, you split the revenue with them. So it's like a rental property where the Elliots get half the money and then the person who owns the condo, room 101, room 102, whatever, suite 405 you get half the, the, the revenue. And so it was a moneymaker, plus it's appreciating. So we totally wanted to own it, wanted to own condos. So bottom line, it's a disaster. So the judge and the special master, by misunderstanding the accounting and in, a, in an urgency to get the special master's bill paid, the judge throws the case out, recommends DOJ, SEC, IRS investigate, also recommends everybody in the litigation sue the developer and their salesperson, which of course includes my organization because my company represented all the salespeople, and and then uh, close the resort and threw all the guests out. So now there's not only no revenue, no more construction, but all is now permanently lost. And so if you thought it was a problem to not get your quarterly payments, you now have lost the underlying interest because the judge ordered it so. So that's where we sit. That's where we sit. This is Inside Out with James Catledge.